Hello and welcome to ROI, Relevant or Irrelevant, the radio show where events of history are examined through the discussion of books, journal articles, papers, and presentations. Then historians and history buffs ask the question, what is relevant or irrelevant in today's world? My name is Rick Sweet. And my name is Jay Swords. This is the podcast segment of the show that's not broadcast on station KALA. Our guest for this 352nd show is Stacy Cordery professor of history at Iowa State University, and we're going to be talking about Juliet Gordon Lowe, the founder of the Girl Scouts. Our history buffs are Brett Menard and Ed Broders, and Ed, why don't you start us off? Thanks, Jay. Um, Stacy, does, um, uh, does Ms. Lowe get proper due from feminists? I don't see her mentioned very often. <laughs> when I when I you know think about feminism and the women's movements of a variety of things, I just very seldom see her name. Is she getting enough credit? No, she's not, and that's frankly why I wrote this book. I'm a third generation Girl Scout, and I'm sure that I first heard about Julie Gordon Lowe in my brownie circle because I must have had a troop leader who who was interested in her. And if you don't have a troop leader who's interested in her, even as a Girl Scout, you might not know very much about Julie Gordon Lowe. Um, and I came to I came to decide over the course of writing this biography that this nickname, Crazy Daisy, that stuck with her her whole life, really, she resuscitated it when she was leading the Girl Scouts. She was an exceptional leader. She was passionate. She had a very clear vision. She had a, an uncanny ability to locate the right person for the right job. She, she didn't micromanage. She risked everything for the Girl Scouts, her, her, her money, her reputation, her, her friendships, her status, all of it. Um, and then she built a great organization where she trained uh, enough people, and uh, she left it in the hands of, of wonderful, uh, competent women. So her successors were there. She built a brand that's still recognizable today. I mean, she did an amazing job. But her deafness got worse as she got older. And I think that she resurrected the crazy daisy thing when people didn't hear her correctly or when she didn't, more often, when she didn't hear them correctly. So if someone would say something, you know, Mrs. Lowe, and then she would respond in, in a way that didn't seem to make complete sense, I think it was part of, that's how she covered her deafness, which could make people uncomfortable. So I began to wonder, well, if you're studying a woman who's created an organization, a nonprofit organization that's still around over 100 years after its founding, that changed so many lives and so many communities, and yet she's not in the history books, and she's not touted by feminists or really anyone else. Why is that? I decided that if you can dismiss a woman as crazy, then you don't have to write about her, and you don't have to remember her. Interesting. Brett? So we've talked a little bit about how Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts kind of paralleled each other. So what what were some of the most significant differences between the two? One difference is that Julie Gordon Lowe was deeply, deeply, deeply religious. She was an Episcopalian, cradle Episcopalian, and Baden-Powell was not. He found God in nature. So that was, a, that was one difference, in, at least in the two individuals who, who founded it. And then when the, the um, organizations were, were young, if, if I can use that term, there, there weren't that many differences 
1913, she wrote her manual called How Girls Can Help Their Country. And she kept in badges, for example, that only boys uh, uh, would have earned uh, in the minds of most people in society. Um, so I think that um, I think that there were not a lot of differences early on because Daisy was so uh, adamant that girls have the same experience as boys. And, and this battle came to a head when um, she had founded the Girl Guides in Savannah in 1912, and then she went back to England because World War I was on the horizon, and she was working with her Girl Guide troops over there, and the Girl Guides were doing phenomenal work in World War I. When she came back to Savannah, the Girl Guides in Savannah had begun calling themselves Girl Scouts. And Robert Bain Pohl was not happy about this because boys could be scouts, but girls should be guides. Daisy stood up to him and said, no, my girls want to be scouts. We're going to be scouts. In the end, he caved and she won. So that was just one more way that she really wanted to make sure that girls were doing pretty much what boys were doing in in every possible way they could. Now, of course, boys didn't have things like child nurse and invalid care and laundress and those sorts of badges. Okay. So there were some gender specific things for women. So, Stacy, I'm, I'm interested since you you talked about she starts girl guides in in the U.S. before World War One. She goes mm-hmm. to Europe. She comes back um, and and kind of jumps back into the organization again. Um, if my other co-host John Keeley were were here, he would want to ask you about the impact that World War One had on her thinking and and maybe her dedication um because world war one is such a seminal event in terms of of altering not just lives but but philosophical perspectives and cultural perspectives um is that true for for daisy as well is can you see an imprint of having been involved in world war one in the person that she is when she comes back to the states Yes, and that is an excellent question, and and yes, I can, and that is because of her work with the Girl Guides, and because, of course, World War I was much more evident in Europe before it was here. So by the time um, 1914 rolls around, Julia Gordon-Lowe has set up a national board of directors. She's got a, a national committee structure in place. She's opened a national headquarters in Washington, D.C. Um, she's tireless, tirelessly campaigning for more girls and more leaders and so forth. But what happens is when World War One breaks out, she is the only leader of a girls' organization in this country who believes that girls should be involved in the war. Campfire Girls and other organizations said, oh, no, 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 girls, that's, that's a military thing, and we're not going to do that. And Daisy said, Mm-mm, we will march in preparedness parades. We will don our uniforms, and we will march in the preparedness parades, and we will sell Liberty Bonds. Girl Scouts sold nearly $10 million worth of Liberty Bonds in World War One. They collected scraps for the war effort. They grew victory gardens. They learned how to can and preserve food so, you know, we could send more food to the soldiers on the front. They learned sanitation and dietetics and cartography and, um, you know, uh, all sorts of of emergency first aid and so forth to free up their mothers to go do work in in the wars. And so in 1914, there were 2,400 Girl Scouts. In 1918, there were 41,225 Girl Scouts. It was. It really was the making of Girl Scouts, and 
And it's that when you were a girl watching a preparedness parade on the sidelines and you saw all those girls marching in uniforms, man, you wanted to be there with them. Absolutely. You wanted that uniform. You yeah. wanted to do, you know, to roll bandages and make trench candles and do all the cool stuff they did. So it was very important. And then for Julia Gordon Lowe herself, what's interesting is that she stepped down from the presidency in 1920. For various reasons, which we could go into if you wanted. But what Julia Gordon Lowe did is she dedicated the rest of her life to international girl guiding and girl scouting because she had, uh, you know, godsons and sons of friends and husbands of friends who had died in the war because she had a, a foot in England and, as well as in America. She was deeply, deeply affected by this awful, tragic global conflagration. And so when she was, uh, when the war was over, she said, I've got Girl Scouting on a good footing. I'm going to hand it to, to my lieutenants, and now I'm going to try to work to make sure that we never fight a war like that again by trying to unite Girl Scouts to grow them in Mexico, in Japan, in Germany, everywhere, so that we can be friends around the globe and we'll just never, ever have another war. And that, you know, is pretty radical since the 1920s was the most isolationist decade, um, you know, in our history. Stacy, I I'd like to ask if if you know this was a dynamo who was uh, uh, a deaf dynamo dynamo, but uh, uh, forging through and creating such a successful organization and legacy, uh, there had to be bumps in the road as she went from nineteen eleven to nineteen twenty to set this this organization up Were you could you give us an example of a few of those bumps I'll tell you the name of the biggest bump it was James West James West was the head of the Boy Scouts of America and he was the thorn in her side because James West said there should never be girls in uniform and if there are they should not be called Girl Scouts because they, the very existence of Girl Scouts this is his word sissified the Boy Scouts and so at every turn James West dogged her saying change the name shut down the organization and, and so that was the biggest bump really he, he did not give up so it's good she was deaf yeah. <laughs> as it turns out <laughs> yes <laughs> All right. Um, so I guess I'm going to get the uh, the opportunity to ask the the last question. Um, so how do how do the last years of her life go? Do, is she is she that person who who dies while on the stump going from one place to another, um, or does she finally get a chance to to sort of rest and and uh, and relax and and enjoy you know a, a quiet end to her life oh no she was not an advocate of quiet ends um but in 1923 she was diagnosed with breast cancer and so she didn't slow down and she didn't tell anyone she kept traveling to the end spreading the word of the importance of friendships around the globe and preparedness and self-sufficiency and fun and so, uh, no, she, she died, um, well, she died on January 17th, 1927 in Savannah, not quite 67 years old. 
Um, but she died lucky enough to have realized her dream. And she left an organization that was financially sound, with a clear leadership training program, a strong and loyal board of directors, and like I mentioned, that brand, the instantly identifiable look. So everything that a savvy CEO would want, she had created. So she didn't want to go. She wasn't happy about the cancer. She wasn't happy about dying because <laughs> she felt she had a lot more to give. But that's what happened uh, to Julia Lowe at the end. We would like to thank our guests for this 352nd show, Stacy Cordery, professor of history at Iowa State University, who talked to us about Juliet Gordon Lowe, founder of the Girl Scouts. The history buff for today's show were Brett Bernard and Ed Broders. You can listen to ROI as it's being broadcast on Friday nights on KALA HD2, 88.5 FM, and 106.1 FM in the Quad Cities region at 9.30. You can also listen to the show as it is being broadcast on TuneIn.com. Put KALA HD2 in the search box and look for ROI. Many of our previously recorded shows can be heard at SoundCloud.com. Just put K-A-L-A radio, one word, in the search box to find ROI. ROI is recorded at station K-A-L-A, St. Ambrose University.